You're listening to a message at Riverland Hills Baptist Church by Dr. Ryan Pack. If you're in the Columbia area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9, 1015, and 1130. Check us out on Facebook or visit riverlandhills.org to find out more about our ministries. Well, church, before we get into the message today, I want to let you know about um, a Sunday, two weeks from today on October 29th, that I want to make sure you know about and you are here for. Um, on Sunday, October 29th, we are going to cast um, a fresh vision for Rivlin Hills Baptist Church. We want to share with you, I want to be able to share with you what um, I believe we need to be about as a church, get us focused on what we need to be about according to the Word of God. And so two weeks from today is going to be a great Sunday that we're going to be gathered together uh, to talk about the vision for our church and the direction for our church. In the meantime, this week and next week, we're going to finish up our study of Ecclesiastes. If you're just joining us, um, the past uh, few weeks, actually past couple of months now, we've been in a sermon series in the book of Ecclesiastes. And today we're going to continue in a sermon titled, a wise foundation. I heard a few years ago a sermon by a Dr. Tony Evans. Some of you may have listened to Dr. Evans from out in Dallas, Texas, but he shared a story um, about his living room. And he said that he started noticing a crack in the wall in his living room, and so he had a painter come out and they spackled the crack and painted over it. And for quite some time, no more trouble. And then as time went by, they noticed that same crack came back, but this time it went from the middle of the wall all the way to the door and the crack was much larger. And so they said, well, I need to deal with that and address that. So he had a drywall man come out and uh, they replaced some sheetrock and made some corrections and time went by and it was all fixed for a, for a brief time until it came back again and finally he realized there's got to be something more to this. And so he said he didn't want to admit it, and he didn't want to call a foundation company to come out. But sure enough, the issue had nothing to do with that wall, but it had everything to do with a crumbling foundation. And today, we want to talk about the difference between wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom and foolishness. Maybe right now in your life you would say, I, I, I'm seeing some cracks in my walls and I don't know why they're there. I see some things that are falling apart in my life. And one of the areas we need to always go back to is our foundation. Now there's some things that are out of our control. There's some things that are unexpected that happen and we can't figure out why they've happened. But there are many things that happen in our life because we have not distinguished between wisdom and foolishness. In our study in Ecclesiastes, we've seen this many times. This is a repeated theme in Ecclesiastes is this distinction between wisdom and foolishness and what's the difference. Solomon, of course, writes about this in Ecclesiastes, but he also, in the book of Proverbs, gave us this contrast between wisdom and foolishness. So if you would, I invite you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, what I want to do is I just want to give you a few examples and a few samples of this contrast between wisdom and between foolishness. You see it back in chapter 7 in Ecclesiastes. Now that we're in the middle of Ecclesiastes, there's repeated themes. 
There's, there's issues that Solomon addresses, and he addresses them in different ways and multiple times. But I want to, see, want to show you a few examples and let you see a few examples. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, um, starting in verses 2 and 3. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool." Skip down to verse 12. Verse 12 says, The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. And this goes on and on and on talking about what the wise do and what the foolish do. Now, how do we define wisdom? How do we really very simply and very clearly define what wisdom means and what wisdom is about? Well, if you would, what I want you to do is I want you to now turn to Matthew. We're going to come back to Ecclesiastes in just a few minutes, but I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. And as you're turning to Matthew chapter 7, you're going to make your way to verses 24 to 27. And let me tell you what we're about to read, because when I think about defining wisdom, I can't find a more clearer definition than what I see here. We're about to read the last three verses of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, just to give you a little background, the Sermon on the Mount is the largest, longest recorded sermon of Jesus that we have in the New Testament. And so Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he has talked about the issue of marriage, divorce, anger, what it means to be salt and light. He's talked about giving. He's talked about worry. He's taught us the Lord's Prayer in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. He's talked about keeping oaths. He's talked about how to ask. He's talked about the golden rule. I mean, he has preached about a lot of topics in the Sermon on the Mount. But then at the end, he gives this word picture of how to apply the Sermon on the Mount and what wisdom is really about. I call it in preaching, you have to start, I, I think of preaching like flying an airplane. You've got to get that sermon off the ground. So we've got to uh, get us uh, off the ground to know where we're headed. Uh, we've got to get us in the air and keep us there. Some sermons can be a little turbulent if we aren't careful, right? And so we've got to get us in the air and keep us there. But preachers often get picked on. They don't know how to land a sermon, all right? You just keep going and going. And uh, when I used to teach preaching, I would always tell those young preachers, you got to get that plane off the air. You got to get that plane not only off the ground and in the air, but you got to uh, keep it consistent so it's not turbulent as you're preaching. But then I say, pastor, preacher, you got to land that plane at some point. And that comes our time of conclusion. Well, here's Jesus landing the plane of the sermon, right? And so he's at the conclusion, and this is what he teaches in the last words of the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, I want you to see some distinctions between, I want you to see some, some similarities and then distinctions between the wise and the foolish. The first commonality, both the wise and the foolish, heard the same words. I want you to get this because I'm drilling down to what wisdom's really about. Both the wise and the foolish heard the same words. Now look what Jesus said at the ending, ending of this sermon. He said in verse 24, everyone who hears these words. Well, what words is he talking about? He's talking about everything he had just preached. And he said, look, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man. But then he says in verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man. Now I find it fascinating. The wise and the foolish heard the exact same words. They heard the same thing. Now fast forward to 2017. We have more access to hearing the Word of God than we've ever had in all of our history. If you don't like my sermon today, I've got good news for you. There are millions others on the Internet, all right? There are plenty out there. You can hear your favorite preacher on your cell phone, on your iPad. You can go listen to them all over the place. You can hear the Word of God on the radio you can watch the Word of God being taught on television and satellite TV and cable TV. I'm just telling you, you can go anywhere you want to go and you can hear the Word of God. But there was a distinction between the wise and the foolish. The wise put it into practice. The foolish did not put it into practice. We've all had these moments where we've gone to our doctor and told our doctor we ache somewhere, something's not right, and the doctor starts telling us what we need to do, and the doctor says, well, here's what you need to do. I need you to take this medication I'm going to give you. You shake your head and say, okay, you agree with that, and you say, I hear you, doc, sounds like a plan. He says, I also need you to start exercising regularly, and here's what I need you to do to exercise, and you're trying to be nice and listen to your doctor, and you say, yeah, doc, I hear you. That, that sounds good. I know if I'm going to get well or get this problem fixed, I need to exercise. And then the doctor really goes to meddling, all right? And then he starts talking about our diet, right? And he starts uh, telling us, look, you need to cut, cut out reduced salt, or uh, you need to not eat this or eat more of that. And I mean, he's really gone to, to digging in deep when he starts talking about what we eat. And so you, you're, you're listening and you hear what your doctor says and, and the nurse may come in and hand you some paperwork and confirm that uh, here's what you need to do. You need to take this medication. You need, to, you, you need to exercise and you need to change these things in your diet. And you shake your head and you say, great, okay, I see what I need to do. Then you go home, all right? Honey, you won't believe what that doctor told me. That doctor told me that I got to spend money on this expensive medication. You won't believe how much this stuff costs. And you won't believe what else the doctor said. The doctor wants me to get a gym membership. He wants me to go and start exercising. 
He wants me to sweat. I mean, come on. You won't believe what this daughter wants. And then, honey, you aren't going to believe this. That daughter told me I need to reduce my salt. I need to be careful about my sugar intake. And he wants me to watch what I eat. And then you tell your wife, let's load up and go to Golden Corral tonight. How about it? Uh, it sounds like a, uh, I don't know. Let's go out to eat. Sounds like a plan. We're going to go to Golden Corral. Then we're going to go to the movie and we're going to get the supersized tub of popcorn. And there's a special at the movie. So we're going to get the supersized tub of popcorn and two candies and a drink the size of a 55-gallon drum, right? I mean, we're going we're gonna to do this right. And then the next morning comes around and you remember your doctor told you to walk or go join the gym or exercise and you wake up the next morning and say, honey, it's humid outside. I don't want to get out there and walk. That's a bad idea. I'm not going to do that. Too hot to walk. Let's, let's just do that next week. And then the next week goes by and it's raining. It's raining. I don't want to get outside and walk or the gym's too far away or I don't want to go over there. All these people that uh, look like Mr. Universe. I don't want to go do that. So I'm not going to go to the gym and few months later, you go back to the doctor and you look your doctor in the face and say, you know what, doc? I'm still hurting. Got that same pain I had. I still feel weak. I don't feel any better. The doctor's going to ask you a few more questions. He's going to ask you, did you hear what I said? Oh, yeah, doc, I heard you. Did you do it? No, doc, it costs too much. I'm not going to do that. I'm not getting that expensive medication. I'm not joining that expensive gym. I'm not going to go out in the humidity and walk. I'm not going to mess up my diet, that I, my food that I enjoy eating. I'm not going to change that. What is the distinction between wisdom and foolishness doing it? Applying it. So both the wise and the foolish heard the same words. Both of them heard the exact same words. Secondly, both the wise and the foolish experienced the same storms. Now this is something that Solomon has wrestled with in our study of Ecclesiastes. He is so frustrated, Solomon is, he is so frustrated that both the wise and the foolish have struggles. He is so frustrated that, that uh, both the rich and the poor have the same struggles. He's frustrated that, that both the hard worker and the lazy have the same struggles, and Solomon can't figure all this out. And then here Jesus teaches in this conclusion of this sermon, and he says, look, not only did both the wise and the foolish hear the same thing, but both the wise and the foolish were tested by floods winds, and storms. No difference, no distinction. They both experienced it. Now that leads to a little bit of frustration for us. Because you might say, well, wait a minute, I'm trying to live wisely. I'm trying to do the right thing. But the minute I try to do the right thing and make a wise decision, it seems like a storm comes my way. And if you've ever felt that way before, I want you to just put your chin up and I want you to be, I want you to be confident in understanding something. Just because a storm comes does not mean you're off track. Oftentimes it means you're right on track. And Jesus, in this concluding sermon, he, in this conclusion of his sermon, he says, look, storms come from everybody, for everybody. 
But the difference is, is when the storm comes, the wise person is able to stand and withstand the storm because they've made the right decision to build their house on the rock. They've done the right thing. They've made the right choices. And then he talks about the choice, obviously, that the, that the foolish person made to build his house on the sand, and then he gets washed away. So here it is. I want to give you this. The distinction between wisdom and foolishness is obedience. I want you to see this. The distinction between wisdom and foolishness is obedience. As the way Jesus put it, the distinction is acting upon it, doing it, putting it into practice. In James 1.22, the Scripture says, Don't be just hearers of the Word of God, but do it. I think the major problem in our spiritual journey is we've heard, 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 and heard again what we need to do to live according to God's Word. We hear it in Bible studies. We hear it in preaching. We hear it on the radio. We read about it and study it and hear about it in our own personal quiet time. But then the breakdown is, do we do it? You see how practical Jesus is in his teaching? That's what I love about the Word of God is uh, people say, oh, you can never understand Scripture. It's too complicated to understand. There's nothing complicated about that one person built their house on the rock one person built their house on the sand. One person practiced, did, applied the Word of God. The other person ignored the Word of God. There's nothing complicated about that. Do we do it? So I want to help you apply the Word of God. How do we, how do, we do this? Living a life of wisdom. If we're going to live wisely, we want to be people that are wise Living a life of wisdom, we first of all must consider every decision. Each moment adds up to a day. A day is filled with multiple moments. Days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into years. Years turn into decades. Decades turn into a lifetime. But it all goes back to those daily decisions that we make. Consider Every single decision. Columbia researcher Sheena uh, Ingar has found that the average person makes about 70 decisions every day. Listen to this. Today, you will make up to 70 decisions. That adds up to 25,500 decisions a year. And over a 70-year time period, that's, oh, that's almost 1.8 million decisions. 70 decisions a day. And yesterday at lunch, I went to Subway Sandwich Shop for lunch, and I think I used up 50 of my decisions <laughs> in line at Subway. What type of bread would you like? Well, what you got? Eight different types. Well, take the Italian herb. Well, sir, we don't have that one right now. Okay. 
How about wheat? We'll just go with wheat. Then they say, all right, we'll go wheat. Six inch or foot long? Well, let's go six inch, all right? Then I got to choose what type of meat. Then they say, you want cheese? I said, sure, I want cheese. What type of cheese? Well, what you got? <laughs> they explained the cheese to me. Sir, would you like that cold or toasted? Well, I think I'll just do it cold today. I don't know. I'm, I'm worn out already because <laughs> I've just made it past the meat section, but I'm already, <laughs> I'm getting pretty tired at this point. Would you like to upsize it and add extra meat for a dollar? Well, no, I'm already stressed out from choosing the bread. I don't, think I, can, I don't think I can make another decision about whether or not I want extra meat or not. So let's say no with the extra meat. I've decided on my cheese. And then we get to the vegetable section, right? I say, I want some peppers on it. Is that jalapeno peppers, banana peppers, or green peppers? I mean, I'm exhausted already. I, mean, I haven't even eaten lunch yet, and I'm exhausted. And then you keep going down. What, would, what else would you like on it? Mayonnaise, mustard, what type of salsa would you like on it? What else would you, would you like oregano? Would you like salt and pepper? On and on and on. Then I get to the very end. Is that for here to go? <laughs> I burned up 70 decisions in five minutes, I'm just telling you. But life is filled with decisions. And maybe the sandwich ones aren't as important as other ones are. But philosopher Albert Camus said this, life is a sum of all your choices. And today we have the opportunity to make wise choices or we have the opportunity to make foolish choices. But life is filled with choices. So Jesus concludes his sermon by saying, consider every decision you make, it matters. Second way we're going to live a life of wisdom is to watch every word. In the passage I read in Ecclesiastes, the words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies his words. But a wise man is cautious with his words. Today, your words have the potential to make or break somebody. And many of you in this room have been sculpted by somebody else's words. There's an old nursery rhyme saying that I think is absolutely ridiculous, and it's a lie. I don't know why we keep lying to our kids with this thing. But the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Come on. I've watched people have all kind of broken bones and heal up and all kind of physical ailments and heal up. But I've watched people struggle with a lifetime because of the words a mom said, a dad said, Words a coach or a teacher said or a peer, student, friend said that makes or breaks us. Every word matters. That's why over in the, over in the book of James, he, he uses these two wonderful word pictures to help us see what power is in our words and our tongue. One word picture he uses is that our tongue is a rudder. And a rudder steers a ship. 
It directs that ship. And our words direct us. Another word picture he uses is he uses the tongue to talk about a spark. And he says, your word can be a spark that can start a fire in someone's life. You can burn down someone's life with your words. So if we're going to live a life of wisdom, we have to consider every decision. We have to watch every word. Third thing we have to understand with living a life of wisdom is we have to expect testing. Now, no one likes to hear this, and I know you enjoyed the first part of the sermon. Now you're going to shut down on me because you're saying, I don't want to hear about this. But here's what Jesus is saying. His conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount is a conclusion of storms will come. Well, who's going to experience the storms? Well, the wise man and the foolish man are both going to experience storms. You are not on the wrong track when the floods come because God uses them in our life, and we need to expect it. Next time you go flying on a commercial flight, I hope you get on an airplane that was tested. Amen? I hope your pilot passed his exam, by the way. I hope your pilot was tested. I hope the aircraft was tested. Because if it wasn't, I don't want to be on it. Or next time you go to the hospital for surgery and right before they give you that uh, sleepy juice to put you down for a little while, the last thing I want to hear my surgeon say is, man, I wish I would have passed that test. <laughs> what if my surgeon said, oh, I never went through residency, I skipped it. Hello. <laughs> Can I sign up for another doctor? I'm glad my surgeon's been tested. I'm glad that aircraft's been tested. I'm glad my pilot's been tested. I'm glad. Why? Because it gives them wisdom. It gives them what they need to know what to do. Expect testing. Jesus said that in Matthew 7, that the floods will come, the winds will come, and they will beat against your house. But you're going to be able to withstand because of wisdom. It makes a difference. Living a life of wisdom, we got to consider every decision, watch every word, expect testing. And fourth, if we're going to live a life of wisdom, we need to understand that we are to be an example People are watching us. People are watching you. You have somebody watching you. It may be a child or a grandchild. It may be a neighbor. It may be a spouse, coworker, Some stranger that you've never met before watches how you handle a, 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 a tense situation at a store or out on the highway or whatever else may happen. That people are watching us of whether or not we're going to be an example. We're going to be Christ to somebody and people need to be able to have sincere examples that withstand the storms. 
The word sincere came from a Greek word that was used to describe vessels or pots, clay pots that were made. And a, 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 a cheap salesman or a shyster, someone that's trying to do you wrong at the market, would make his pots, and if there was a crack in the pot, he would fill the crack with wax. And then he would paint the pot. And so when you went to market, you would look at that pot and say, this is what I need. This is the pot or vessel that I need. I want to purchase it. But the minute you went home and put that pot on the stove, the wax would melt out of the cracks and the pot would be worthless. So what people learned to do back in that day is you'd go shopping on a sunny afternoon. And the reason you would want to go shopping on a Sunday afternoon is because if you're going to buy a clay pot, you would want to hold that clay pot up to the sun. And you'd want to turn that pot around looking up at the sun. And you could see if there were cracks that were filled in with wax. And if you saw cracks that were filled in with wax, you would say this pot is not sincere. It's not whole. It's not complete. It's got cracks in it. Well, what people are looking for and desperately need today is somebody to set an example. Riveland Hills, let's be a church that sets an example in every decision that we make, in every word that we say, in every test that we face. It will be an example. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are read by more than a few, but the one that is most read and commented on is the Gospel according to you. You are writing a Gospel, a chapter each day, by the things that you do and the words that you say. Men, read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the Gospel according to you? Do men read his truth and his love in your life? Or has yours been too full of malice and strife? Does your life speak of evil or does it ring true? Say, what is the gospel according to you? I've heard it said before that we need to live our lives in such a way so that at the end of it, we aren't begging for more time. Live your life in such a way so that at the end of it, you aren't begging for more time. Wisdom versus foolishness. How do you find the difference? The wise person puts it into practice, does it, applies it lives it out, shows it to others. I wonder today if you've made a decision yourself to follow Christ. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Today's the day of salvation for you if you've not made a decision to trust Christ. Right at the end of this service, in just a couple of minutes, we've got a place where you can go. There are folks that want to talk with you about what it means to know Christ. Maybe you have a decision you want to make about joining Rivlin Hills Maybe you have a decision you need to make about following through in believer's baptism. Maybe you just have questions about what's next for you. 
Or maybe life's really difficult right now and you just want someone to pray with you. We have a room set aside here in Worship West called our Hospitality Room. If you're in Worship East right now, over in Worship East, we have a place called our Connection Area. And right outside of the main doors to your left, you'll see a huge sign that says Connections. But whether it's the Connection Area or the Hospitality Room, we have folks that are there that want to help you in any decision that you need to make. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. We love you, and we want to obey you. And Lord, I pray that we would not be foolish, but that we would be wise. How can we be wise, Lord? By putting into practice everything that we hear in your word. And so may we be a people that people can look at us, and we would be an example to them of what it means to live out the gospel. May we be found faithful in following you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.